Have abuses from the church that we've experienced colored our vision of how we see God and how we see what he says in his word? Right. You know, you can even just think about this logically. When we're talking about someone who has suffered physical abuse of some kind, you know, there is trauma that comes from that. And that trauma causes one to have your vision colored about things surrounding the events of that trauma. For example, someone who was abused by a husband uh, may see men as being like her husband. But yet we know, right, that, well, that's not a good perception to have. It is, uh, it can be argued from outside to think of all men as being abusive would be an irrational thing. But yet it's completely irrational for the person who's undergone the trauma. And so I want to submit to you that in the same way as we have physical abuse in the world, there is a spiritual abuse that one can suffer. Today, we want to talk about some of those today, including touching on church leadership, moves of the Holy Spirit, as well as even as far as the prosperity gospel. Today, we'd just like to start off by talking about church leadership. You know, when we think about church leadership, that's an aspect I think many people can connect with right Uh, many people have grown up in churches you know they may have grown really close to a pastor respected Mm -hmm. him loved the pastor looked up to him and discipled by him mentored and then something happened that made you lose that trust or that bonding in him because maybe that leader that deacon that pastor committed a sin we see in the news all over the place right now that there's so many different pastors and leaders who are found out to have been molesting young girls or, you know, raping young women, just horrible, horrible, abhorrent things. And so you as a congregant, you see that in your pastor, your leader, who should be a shepherd and you're right, caring for the flock, doing this. I mean, what does that do to you? Right. I mean, that, that, that causes just in reality, right, that causes a lot of people to just move away from that fellowship yeah. and consider other churches in light of the experience they had before in other words some of them may totally remove themselves from the church never return to any kind of fellowship or ecclesia because of that hurt because of that trauma yeah and i'm just gonna jump in on that really quick i mean this includes more than just pastors that are doing you know what we mentioned that kind of you can say very obvious sexual physical abuse but those who are abusing their leadership in the way they treat their their congregants oftentimes what we'll do then is we'll either seek out another fellowship another church or maybe we'll even start our own fellowship Mm. our own maybe like our home church kind of thing which is a wonderful thing we see in the scripture to have like churches fellowships in the home Mm. but oftentimes the problem that can arise is because like you talked about the trauma because of the abuse we've seen or have experienced from leadership in the church that we almost can sometimes, and we've seen it a lot, we want to distance ourselves from leadership at all, even technically biblical leadership, because we've seen it only abused. Yeah, so then in our own fellowship, we will have no leader. We have this perception that leadership is bad, and so we have no leader to run, to organize, to lead. Right. And what does that cause? And what 
often happens is, you know, we don't always think about this. We think, oh, it's great. No one's a leader. No one's lifted themselves above anyone else. Right. right? There's no pride. Right. And, but yeah. the issue that happens is that yeah. to have anything, inevitably, someone has to help facilitate. Someone has to help run and organize and, you know, make certain decisions. You know, there can be a board, there can be, you know, but inevitably, someone's going to raise themselves up as a leader. If, if there's no leader. If there hasn't been right. a community decision to raise someone or to allow someone else to step into leadership, someone will raise themselves up on their own and they might not be qualified for that position right it's kind of like this right either you will pick a leader who has good character fruits of the spirit who's mm -hmm. mature spiritually or if you don't eventually someone will raise themselves up who has a strong character and and what i mean by that is not strong as in mature character but someone who has a strong yeah, emotional stance and character to appoint themselves as a leader. And usually the person who appoints themselves as a leader is the last person that you want as a leader. And so, you know, guys, this is just like one example. Like when we think about leadership, you know, how do we view leadership and do we view leadership or mm -hmm. churches yeah. through the lens of our past? You know, many people have been hurt to the point of just saying, my pastor taught me lies about God. There were things mm -hmm. that I discovered later about God and theology that right. my pastor never told me. And that betrayal is felt right. that causes us to color our vision towards all shepherds. Right. right. Or even the church as a whole or Christianity as a whole, because we were taught lies or whatever right. we might have experienced, you know, abuses, whatever that might have looked like in our own story. So the issue we're really addressing here isn't leadership. It's when leadership has become corrupt and abusive or unbiblical. And so we see in Ephesians chapter 4 that each of us are given different callings. Verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Yeshua, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Yeshua. It is biblical to have leadership. It is biblical to have prophets, to have shepherds, to have teachers. Right. And their role is to equip the body, to raise up, to disciple more leaders. That We don't have leaders who sort of create their own empire, that sort of make their own kingdom, but who are, in a sense, servant leaders. Leaders who are accountable to exactly. others. And I think that's very important because when you especially look to bigger uh, ministries who have very popular, well-respected leaders, mm -hmm. sometimes we've seen them fall into sins yeah. because the accountability has faltered in, that, in those ministries. Right, and a lack of humility because they have become very confident in perhaps who they are, where they are, how long right. their ministry has been around, and so on and so forth. First, Timothy chapter 3 says, If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit. Must be dignified, not double-tongued, not a slanderer or a gossip, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. 
I mean, that's good. Mm. Right, guys, so we want to talk about a, another aspect, I think, in the faith that has suffered spiritual abuse. And, and really the purpose of us going through these, by the way, is for you to think about, have I in my life suffered spiritual abuse? Right, so another aspect that we see happen is in terms of mo- many moves of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? We, we see this, uh, I, for example, remember I spoke to a man who was outside of any kind of a fellowship and i remember asking him you know why does he not want to go to visit a church or something of that sort and he mentioned he said hey look i remember going to church with my parents and this was a charismatic church and they had this thing where the pastor would go around during service and he would touch people and they would fall over right and he would go that and do that with everyone and just about every single person in the church would fall over and when the pastor eventually came to this man he touched him and let him try to let him fall over but he didn't he was just kind of like standing there like like this kind of feeling awkward like Like, am I supposed to like fall over? What was going on here? And he left there feeling depressed that God has rejected him because the teaching was that if you fall over, God is is moving. God is touching you. And that is what you need to do to be really accepted by the Father. Right. And to jump in on that, you can leave feeling that A, God didn't touch you like he touched everyone else. You know, you didn't get that experience or it was all fake. It was all a fraud. I didn't experience it. So it must all be fake because I didn't get the same experience as someone else did. Certain things happen to someone that might not happen to us. Experiences might be different. But the problem is when we have a teaching that it must look this way for everyone. Otherwise, God does not accept you. God does not love you. I mean, and that's, I think, a a thread that continues to run throughout when we talk about the Holy Spirit is that many people have experienced something regarding Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. And then they try and make a teaching about that to say that everyone must experience it in this exact way that I did. Or else. Or else. Or obviously there's something wrong with you, Mm -hmm. right? Is really the conclusion that people then come to. But You know, yeah, so we see the same with, for example, the gift of speaking in tongues. We have a teaching in some churches that, well, the gift of speaking in tongues is the sole evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And therefore, if you do not speak in tongues, you do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Except that I have met people who have spoken in tongues, who have, excuse me, have not spoken in tongues, yet were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, Paul writes and he tells us that there is a gift of tongues. There is a gift of prophecy. There is all of these gifts and not all are going to be walking in these gifts. Right. Not all are going to be gifted in these gifts. Can God use us in multiple gifts? Can, should we always be open to be used in the gifts? Yes. Should we seek all the gifts, especially the ones that bring edification? Yes, we should. Yeah. Paul says, desire the greater gifts. I mean, just continue to desire. If you have this desire in your heart to speak in tongues, then go to the Father, ask for that gift, because that desire doesn't come from your flesh, it comes from Him. But then when we have a teaching that you must or else, or else, yeah, that's when it's unbiblical. Right. Because now what happens is I hear this teaching that I must speak in tongues. 
I and now I don't. So what is the consequence of that upon me? Mm. That well, what what does that mean for me in my relationship right. with God? And I can then go and walk away from that experience with this traumatized experience I had in this church, mm-hmm. and I can look upon the gift of speaking in tongues and always criticize it, thinking of it in light of my past, right. thinking in light of the bad teaching that was that I received surrounding it, even though there is a, a genuine gift of speaking in tongues that people today can still practice that can even look kind of similar to the way the people were doing it who were teaching you to do it falsely. But this is the plan of the enemy, isn't it? Well, that's what the enemy does. And that's why we're talking about these abuses because they are things that have been abused, that have been misused purposefully by the enemy. I mean, we know the enemy loves making counterfeits, right? When there's supposed to be biblical, godly leadership that as servant leaders, right? Like Yeshua. Well, of course, he's going to make sure that there can be corrupt leadership who take advantage of the flock, who abuse the flock. Well, we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, what is the enemy going to do? He's going to create counterfeits and he's going to have abuses be done in the name of this thing that is not actually of God so that we don't desire what is actually of God. We don't desire the Holy Spirit because we have seen the unclean spirits and that is his plan to draw us away from God and what he has in his word for us. Amen. Yeah, the enemy is there to traumatize you away from the real thing. Mm -hmm. He is there to scare you literally there to scare you away from the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit has for you because he knows that that is his greatest threat a believer empowered by the Holy Spirit that is literally what Yeshua sent us to do just as Yeshua went to destroy the works of the enemy he is giving us the mantle to destroy the works of the enemy so if you're the enemy what are you going to try and do you're going to try and scare the believers away Mm -hmm. from the very thing that they can walk in that would destroy the works of the enemy. And so what the enemy, uh, to to, to treat the real thing as the fake is what he really wants to do within you. He wants you to think of the actual gift that God wants as the fake, as the falsehood that you may have received in the past, the false teaching you may have received in the past. And so every, even when we think about the like Kundalini spirit, right? This counterfeit mm-hmm. uh, spirit that masquerades as an angel of light, that masquerades right. as the Holy Spirit. This, the soul, the most important, let me say, objective of this counterfeit spirit that masquerades spirit. as the mm. Holy Spirit is to cause you to be traumatized and to confuse you to the point where you can't even tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and Mm -hmm. this counterfeit Kundalini spirit anymore. For us to keep this in mind and consider, are we doing this in any way? How, if we're talk, if we find ourselves being turned off by a certain spiritual gift, we have to ask ourselves, man, do I have a past in this? Like, is there something that happened in my past? Just like if there's a woman who received abuse in her marriage. And if we're counseling her, right, we're going to talk to her about, okay, look, you received that. And we can counsel her her in terms of how that was bad. But we will then lead her to show her, look, not all men are this way. You should not have this color your vision towards the reality of life. Yeah, and jumping off of that, I mean, going on to the other spiritual gifts, just 
quickly. We've seen how the gift of tongues has been abused, misused purposefully by the enemy so that it can confuse us as believers so we can't differentiate between what is what's of God and what isn't, right? To, to draw us away so that we don't want anything to do with it at all. But all, this also happens for the gift of healing. Uh, maybe a, a famous deliverance minister prays over someone, but it, it was a fake healing. And it, we've seen these stories and it, where things didn't actually happen and it was actually a fraud. And so now we have this perception in our mind, or maybe we asked for prayer and we didn't get healed. So we have this perception that it doesn't really happen anymore today. And so that whole color, that, that perception colors our vision also that, well, I shouldn't go out to pray for anyone or God doesn't really do this or whatever today because I didn't experience it or I've seen it misused and abused. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we see that with the gift of healing. We see that with uh, even casting out demons, right? There yeah. are people who 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 think about casting out demons as having everything be a demon, that every issue that anyone has is caused by a demon. There's that theology that's out there. So if you've been under that theology, you've believed that theology, you found it to be false or whatever, and then you can be turned off from the whole idea of casting out demons as a whole. But even though, though yeah. the reality is that it was a huge part of Yeshua's ministry. He healed mm-hmm. the sick. He casted out demons. We, we're supposed to heal the sick. We're supposed to cast out demons. Right. And there is that, like you said, the balance. When we have that, when we've been taught a teaching that every issue is a demon, and then we realize later that actually not everything is actually a demon, yeah. then we can start to want to throw that, oh, wait, so everything isn't a demon. Well, maybe nothing's a demon. So we don't need to cast out, we don't need to do any of that because Mm -hmm. after all, we kind of just lump that all into one box. But there has to be that balance, like you said. And if you notice, with all of the examples we're mentioning, there's a pattern, and that is that it's always an extremist view on something. Mm -hmm. It's always that something like, well, the teaching is that everything is a demon or everyone (laughs) should speak in tongues or everyone must fall or everyone must, you know, there's always this extreme. And and another thing we could talk about is the, all leadership is bad. All leadership is bad. (laughs) Or the, uh, another thing is that we can talk about is like the, the prosperity gospel. And this is also a thing that suffers an ex- it's really an extremist view on a biblical element, right? Mm. Because it is ultimately a, there's a baseline foundational teaching about giving that the Bible gives us mm. that some have taken to an extreme theology. And because we've seen this specific one, I mean, this one's like the awkward one that we don't really want to yeah, talk about. no one about wants to talk about this one. No one wants to talk about money. No, I mean, it's <laughs> because we have seen it so often abused, misused, and just, just right. totally taken and, yeah, Oftentimes we will hear, oh, you know, from maybe televangelists, you know, sow a seed and God will bless you sevenfold. And we hear that and we're like, wow, that is what, why am I giving to get a result? And that is wrong. We don't give to get a result like, okay, I'm going to give you this amount of money so God can give me this amount of money back. That is completely wrong and unbiblical. Mm -hmm. And the televangelist on the other side who's trying to build his empire, totally wrong, totally unbiblical. But there is a truth in there that when we do give god does bless us but we're not giving for that result we're not giving to gain that we're giving because in the end our hands are open father we surrender everything to you amen yes giving is so important right like it is an an essential part of a believer's life and so yes there are people who have been hurt by 
uh, maybe they were in a prosperity gospel type of church. Maybe they were watching a televangelist all yeah. these days ago. They gave all their money to him. And then the results that were promised of a hundredfold increase <laughs> never came true. And that is traumatizing. Okay, yes. that, can, that can wreak havoc. That can destroy uh, a family's yeah. financial situation. Okay, this is some serious stuff, as with all of these issues. But yet... We can see that, that, that trauma we suffered and have that color our vision on giving mm. and not understand that, well, look, there is a beautiful thing here that God wants us to do radically. He does. God wants us to give radically. He, God wants us to give like, like, like that, wid- that widow, right, with Yeshua who gave All she had, basically, as he said, right? Mm. To give radically to the Father as the Father leads you in your heart. And the Father's done that with me. He's done it with Christina and many people I've talked to. And when I have been obedient... Well, when I'm like, God, wow, this is a lot. You you ask him in my heart to give this to help a brother in need or help this or that. Mm. But when I've done it, the Father has come and he has blessed me. He has provided for me. He hasn't let me go gone hungry because of I was obedient to his voice. When we when we close our hand in greed, we we're not obedient to the fact that look, our money is his money. Like we're just mm. stewards of what we have. My job is really what he's given me. Every cent in my bank account is what he's given me. I'm supposed to be a good steward of that. And if I'm not a good steward of that, What's going to happen, right? I'm going to not give. Mm. And so the father, just like any master who sees that his servant isn't stewarding well, he's not going to give him more to steward. Right. I mean, like scripture says, freely you have received, so freely you should give as well. Amen. Amen, guys. So, hey, I hope, guys, that this has blessed you. You know, we're just here to just show you a few examples of how this can take place in our hearts. But yet there are numerous other areas yeah. of our spiritual lives by which this could happen. And mm-hmm. I think, honestly, guys, uh, let me say something here. I mm-hmm. think that most of the theological issues that we can have as individuals is actually rooted in this that we have had bad experiences we've suffered abuse of some sort Mm -hmm. we've witnessed things gone wrong and then we have had our vision colored and this is actually such a blockage that if you do not discover it if you do not ask the father reveal it in your heart it can keep you from true the truth for the rest of your life. This is really a deliverance that needs to take yeah. place for us. Just like anyone who suffered real uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse of whatever kind, many times they need a deliverance so that they can actually see clearly yet again. And so I just like to pray for you regarding this, Father. We just pray for everyone listening to this right now for who's who suffered abuse of any kind lord and i pray lord for deliverance father i speak freedom over everyone listening i speak i ask for your holy spirit to come lord and bring the truth of the matter i pray lord that you would come and lift every spirit of infirmity and abuse and trauma and fear in the name of yeshua and i thank you lord we command that to leave Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the for restoring true vision to us yet again, Lord, to, for us to be able to see clearly in the name of Yeshua. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that this has blessed you, and we're excited to see you guys in the next video. So subscribe and like this video. Shalom. Shalom.